Hey everyone, it's Sabertooth here, and welcome to Floor is Rising, the podcast about NFTs. With me is Kizu. Let's move on now to, to Singapore and Malaysia, and let's talk about some of the artists there. So I think the first artist we're going we're gonna to talk about is Siobhan Wong. She's a little bit different in that she's probably one of the first artists we're going to talk about in this episode today that is not primarily on the Pick at Nook platform, but she is a, a very active artist on, on Ethereum. So specifically Foundation, super rare. And, you know, the prices that she's fetching for her works, you know, sort of Ethereum prices, right? So we're talking about sort of one to up to sort of 10, 20 Ether mark for some of her more expensive works. What do you see? Probably two things. One is what do you see from Siobhan? Because I, I think she's a sort of like a her background is a is, is, is sort of photography. So that's a definitely a, you know, a, a new uh, type of creative that we haven't talked about before. But the second is she has quite a uh, offline sort of presence slash brand um, and prior to sort of trying her hand at NFTs. And I guess the second question is the prices that she's fetching on her works. How do you think that, I guess, uh, separates her or, or differentiates her from sort of the other artists that we're talking about that playing in a, in a different price range? Or is it, you know, or is it, is it just a matter of, I guess, happenstance? I think the first thing that's significant probably is the fact that Siobhan is already an established uh, commercial photographer. So I think the, you know, we talked about the fact that a comic or illustration based artist is necessarily kind of like isolating a single image and putting it on an NFT platform. And that somehow like has to stand in for the rest of their, their creative universe in a sense. So it's like Miyazaki selling the, the single isolated cell drawing that it's hardly representative of his entire output, but that the market being what it is, it, it, it wants a, a symbol or a kind of like a fragment of that. In the case of photography, though, I think it, it's, it's a more ready and easy translation over, right? Because we're talking about single images that with or without the animation just port it over to NFT context. And so it's photographers, I think, probably have an easier time dealing with that transition probably or or trying to bridge both whatever you know offline market they have with with an nft platform but then it i guess it also begs the question then if they are already selling individual images in additions for example through a gallery then what advantages does the nft platform have obviously it's a different audience in a sense but it's not really expanding the the reach of their practice in a sense. Obviously, with the animated photographic images, that's somewhat of a different medium, right? And the same could be said of uh, artists working primarily with film and video, where their NFTs are basically a a looped sequence. Maybe it's 10, maybe it's 30 seconds. But what they're offering is really, again, a fragment of uh, a lot, you know, a larger work, uh, whether it's a short or longer film. So, yeah, I think uh, here we, Siobhan's an artist that, you know, obviously has a photography based practice that I think can, can really translate to the NFT context without too much adjustment. And in a sense, it makes her more ready to negotiate that new market uh, as opposed to artists that maybe have to re, uh, rejiggle their practice to, to engage with it. 
I'm not so familiar with sort of the prices in the non-NFT sort of photography market, but how do you how do you see the prices that she's selling for on NFTs versus say the prices of you know photography in the in the traditional sort of market? How do you see that difference if there is any? From what I'm seeing on foundation, for example, like the her prices range from one or two to up to fourteen, I'm seeing twenty actually. Fourteen thousand USD. Right. That's for one of the simple animated images, right? For even for seven. Okay, that, that's quite a big range. But let's just say that, you know, at the on average, I think they're like in two to three, four maybe range. That would be, I believe that's kind of on par with a mid-career photographer selling actual photography at an art fair, actually. So we're talking something in the range of eight to 10K, for example. Obviously, those are, it's, it's rare for a photographer to have an addition of one. It almost, almost never happens. Typically, in, in fine photography, you have three is common, 10 maybe, five, three, five, 10, things like that. And so the economics are a bit different, obviously. But if you're talking about what an actual photo will cost you in a gallery context, then yes, that I think Siobhan's foundation prices are pretty much in line with what you'd expect to see. And even on the, on, on the slightly higher end, I would argue, actually, because I think it's possible a lot of the smaller, say, European photography fairs that are of a very high standard, right? For example, if you go to Basel, there are satellite fairs that focus on photography and, and younger artists. It would be, and this is Basel, right? It would be, I think, quite expensive to see an artist selling works for more than 10K, whether or not it's photography. So that gives you an idea of what the physical offline market would be. Uh, she sold stuff in, in the traditional sort of art space. Wouldn't you expect the prices of her sort of NFTs to somewhat equalize across, you know, across all the different mediums that, that she's selling? I mean, I mean, you wouldn't expect significant price differentiation, right, for, for her works? Because, I mean, more and more established artists are coming to NFT space. So um, I, I would have to assume that if the prices were too off between the two different mediums that there would be some sort of collector arbitrage going on to try to equalize the prices a little bit. Even if there's an adaptation of someone's practice to turn, even in Siobhan's case, where you could argue that there's less adaptation involved when she wants to create an NFT work as opposed to a, a, a photograph, it's still different. I mean, you can say that the 3D and the animation aspect is a minor one, but actually I would say it's a, it's a major one. It's something that's entirely impossible for her to do in a, in, a, in a gallery space, right? But then this format allows her to kind of have a single image that's been modified, you know, not dramatically, but obviously it's, it's in her style that is recognizable. But then throughout... I mean, as you're looking at these works, the color, the gradation, the lighting, and, and there's movement. So it's, it's very different, I think. I think what's more, I, I would say that maybe you can expect a bigger divergence in, in this kind of case. But if we go back to someone like Dila or Hari, where it's a straightforward still image or illustration, then maybe you can see that there, you would expect more equalization, right? But artists like Siobhan with that, who are making modifications or adaptations that really translate their work into an entirely different format is, I think, not insignificant, right? And maybe then you would 
expect there to be some divergence. I think the way Chavon made this transition, I think, is going to be how a lot of sort of well-known traditional artists will make that transition, right? Like, I don't think they're going to make the transition where they're just going to like copy and paste whatever they're selling uh, in traditionally and, and then sort of just port it over, right? They, they're going to they're going to try to look through something that is medium native to a certain extent, separates you know what they're doing on a, in the NFT space with what they're doing in traditional space. But at the same time, as Siobhan has done, they, they want to carry their, their sort of name, they want to carry their reputation, they want to carry their brand over. I think obviously one, one the, the best example is probably sculptors who make physical objects in three dimensions, right? I, I haven't heard too much about people working primarily with, with sculpture and installation engaging with NFTs. I can imagine it would be very difficult, uh, even for the top sculptors, to really, you know, think about how that can complement their existing practice. I'm not saying that it won't happen. I think it's just that potentially you could have tokenized drawings that they've made. And, you know, like the top artists say like 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 Christo, who used to he passed away recently, but he used to be very famous for these wrapped sculptures. He would wrap entire buildings. He did entire, you know, fabric bridges across lakes in Italy that you could walk on. So obviously like very big interventions in space, right? But at the same time, an artist of his stature would sell drawings or sketches. So, you know, there, there's there's the possibility of that when you become a very, very famous artist. But by and large, I think obviously the NFT medium is is not very three-dimensional. Uh, animations excluded, because that, that's still happening on a flat interface. And thank you. That's the uh, end of this episode. And I uh, look forward to hearing you again. Bye-bye.